Hello and welcome to another episode of Wrestling With Memories. I am Wax the Brain Hussein, joined as always by Fash, the million dollar fan. Fash, we are at an extraordinary landmark for one of wrestling's biggest shows. Uh, absolutely, Wax. I'm looking forward to our show today and the show we're going to see tomorrow night, uh, UK time. It's the 30 year anniversary of Monday Night Raw. Raw is war. We call it Raw again. Um unbelievable so the first show took place on the 11th of january 1993 it was a milestone who would have thought back then that it would be i think the longest running television mm-hmm. show um if you think of weekly episodic television um it's really unbelievable and our show is going to be a little bit different today as well i think we're not going date by day are we for this 30 year anniversary i mean wwe is doing it tomorrow um but it's close enough and um you know i'm really looking forward to the show they put on and yep. how many you know previous faces we see yeah we're recording on the sunday before raw anniversary number 30 takes place um for some reason i've no idea why wwe have decided to do this two weeks um almost two weeks later than the actual show but uh, maybe Vince McMahon mean... coming back had something to do with it yeah, maybe, maybe he knew the not. plan all along didn't he um that's big news. Maybe we should mention that very briefly, Fash. Vince is back. Yeah, I don't know what to say on it. So much has been said, Wax. It might require a, another episode, I think. Mm. Um, his coming back is shocking, but he's Vince McMahon. You couldn't really have thought of him kind of going away, retiring in the, in the sunset. There's more news that's came back since. There was obviously rumours of a, a potential sale <laughs> to the Saudis. Well, um, you had sold them off, Fash. I, I had sold them off, yeah. I mean, me and many others. Um, no. I thought that would have been some news item, but it seems right now it's not official. Yeah. Um, but certainly they're up for sale. There's been discussion about what the valuation would be. Vince is back supposedly to seal the the new TV rights deal and to oversee the sale. So there's lots of turmoil again going on behind the scenes. He's recently settled um, uh, an allegation which goes back to the 1980s uh, with a lady. Um, So there's lots going on. I think you'll probably need another episode to discuss all that wax. But um, this is a happier time, I guess, in 1983. It's before the steroid trial as well. And this was the beginning um, of what would be an incredible uh, legacy for him and WWE um, Monday Night Raw. And that 30-year anniversary ties nicely into our timeline as well. As a reminder, we've just finished off Survivor Series 1992. We've had a little run-up to at the end of November, December, and now the start of 1993 Raw. The very first Raw is going to kick off, and we've got a very special show lined up today. Tell them about it, Fash. Yeah, it's going to be a watch-along show. So we've done one of these before. We did it for the 1992 Royal Rumble, you can catch that in our archives. It was one of our favorite shows. Um, it did really well on the podcasting platforms. It was audio only, and you know, similar to what some other um podcasts do, such as you know the Conrad Thompson uh, podcast. We basically watch the show, give our comments. You do the same. So when we give you, I guess, the um invitation, we'll give you a little countdown. You. Find Monday Night Raw, the first episode in, on the WWE Network or Peacock or wherever you can access it. Play at the same time as us. Take the audio off and we'll enjoy the show together. So it's it's our second watch along of our series so far, Wax, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it's not the greatest show in terms of, you know, how this, you know, Monday Night Raw um, legacy would evolve, but it's historic given it was the first one. At this point, nobody really knew what would be taking mm-hmm. place in the coming years it replaces prime time wrestling which was a staple but yeah you know i'll throw it back to you let's do a little countdown and let's enjoy the show 
um, and you know, give our thoughts on it. We are both watching it cold. We've both not seen this in, I think, a few years at least. Yeah. Um, so it really is going to be watching everything um, as if it was the first time again. Yep. So just a reminder: go onto the WWE Network, go into the shows category, select Raw, and there's a drop down which lets you pick the year 1993. Scroll down to the very bottom of the page, and it's the very last show on the page, but the very first Raw ever. Uh, and with that being said, Fash, let's do the countdown. Three, two, two one. one. Let's play. Play. Here we go. And it's the big opening, Wax. Um, actually, you know, it's interesting in the sense that, well, what I'm getting right now is a Broken Skull uh, advert, but I don't know if you're getting the <laughs> no. same, which is not I'm gonna pause. I'm going to pause, Fash, so you tell me. When I'll tell you see, when I'm live, right? Because when you can see the show, you, as much as I love Stone Cold Steve Austin, yeah, um, that's the WWE awesome. Network. Is Here we go. I've got it now. I can yep. see the background of Manhattan, uh, New York. It's a it's a different start straight away. You know, you've got Sean Mooney mm-hmm. outside the building. Now, this was a very interesting building, the Manhattan Center, and we're going to see how different it looks from shows up to that point. But you've got Sean Mooney there, and straight away, Bobby the Brain Heenan is turned up, and I think he wants to get into. The show given usually he's the co-commentator on these things. Yeah, so I think what's happened in the prime time show just before this, um, the final prime show time show, Bobby Heenan assumes that he's going to get an invite to Monday Night Raw, but um, it's uh, Gorilla Monsoon that tells him no, he's actually barred from the arena, and they're not expecting to see Bobby. So this is Bobby's first attempt at getting into the arena, a sold out arena. They say. Um, interestingly enough, the the Manhattan Center where this is all happening, the Grand Ballroom, it's. It's incredible to think nowadays where the shows are in arenas and big stadiums. Um, the It's just a big, tall building, and in the middle of it, there's a grand ballroom. Yeah. That's the arena that they're using. This very special intro, uh, which I'm talking over, actually sounds pretty good. It sounds very, like, Saturday Night Live type, uh, you know. Yeah, no, it's different, like you say. It's that kind of, you know, the the sirens in the background, very different, very quick. And then, you know, we go to the arena and straight away, you can see this is different. We recognize Vince McMahon. We recognize the match man. There's a third jabroni there with sunglasses and his name is Rob Bartlett. So he yeah. is actually the co-commentator for this. I think straight away, Vince has always been looking for some sort of mainstream rub. Now, yeah. I don't know how mainstream Rob Bartlett was in 1993 in the US. He must have had some credibility, but we didn't know him in the no. UK. But he was a radio jockey and a comedian yeah. wax um, and I know from watching some shows after this, when I was in a raw bench some years ago, that he's going to be extremely annoying. And actually, yeah, uh, he doesn't him. last long, does he? Um, but yeah, as you say, Vince loves this whole live shock jock um, radio DJ type guy, and you know that's who Rob Bartlett really much is. Uh, just what what are your thoughts on the show on the just the appearance on the show we just we just started on like... the on the actual appearance fashion well, I've, we've I've got, got balconies no... on one side we've got yeah I mean right a, now a I'm small crowd that... got Coco Beaver coming into the ring for the yeah, first yeah that's match. the appearance I'm not liking but um <laughs> yeah I mean straight away so one thing to note here and all UK fans will remember this is we didn't get raw straight away I don't think we got raw until 1995 actually so we'd get our highlights of raw via superstars challenge in WWF Mania which was a show that I loved. Um, so at this point, you know, watching this and seeing highlights of it, it was very different. And I actually liked the fact that it was quite intimate and, you know, quite basic. Even at that age, watching this, I knew this was something different. Um, and I also remember it was one of the WWF magazines at the time. Yep. Maybe the January, February edition. That would make sense in terms of timeline where they showed kind of, you know, pictures from the set and the co-commentators. So yeah, straight away, it's different. It does feel very kind of... You know that you're there 
get yep. because it's so intimate and it's very different from what we're used to seeing. Yeah, you know, wrestling challenge and superstars. Yeah, and that's what I really thought about it is that intimate feeling. Actually, very ECW like you know where they used to have they the crowd, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, really drawn in onto the to the ring, and you have got the balconies. And let's remember, this is where this is a ballroom basically. This is a, an orchestra uh, specialty arena uh, made specifically for that. Um, somehow, Vince and uh, his crew decided that this would be the best place to host a wrestling show, uh, as we see Yokozuna in the ring now with Coco Beware to open the match. We've talked a little bit about Yokozuna being new to the WWF, just very recent, um, recently coming in at the end of 92. Uh, just going back to the arena very briefly. You are, couple... You've got such a thing for this arena, carry on. I do, no, I mean, it's just that it's interesting, the whole setup, like why they chose this particular place, because it's not an easy place to set up a ring. Um, mm-hmm. If you've heard uh, Bruce talk about this, you know, they this is several floors up, yeah, and there's only one elevator that is allowing sort of large materials to be taken up. So every week or every second week, they would have had to transfer everything up several floors, then down several floors to pack yep. it away. It's just not, uh, you know, an easy to use arena. But even then, they, they decided to go ahead with it. They had options to build a brand new arena mm-hmm. just next to uh, yep. their old sort of merchandising office next to in Stanford. Connecticut, but I think eventually they thought, you know, that would be too costly. Yep. Um, to create a brand new arena. Yeah, I'm just seeing the backside of Yokozuna right now, Wax. So, well, as you're it's... talking, that's what I'm seeing. You know, I'm surprised this arena or this ballroom can actually take um, <laughs> yes. Yokozuna and his his girth here. But you know, is that? But you're right. I mean, it's obviously we didn't know that, and you learned later on what the kind of makeup of this building was. What's interesting, why we keep talking about it is that this is going to be the kind of weekly happening. Yep. We're not moving from arena to arena. This is the raw setting. And it yep. is going to be, I think, till late 93, um, maybe 94. I think it is late 93. They start kind of, I think they start mm-hmm. in the Hartford Civic Center and then they actually take it outside of New York and eventually it does become, you know, a kind of touring yep. show like everywhere else. But this is going to be part of the whole kind of look yeah, and the kind of you know what they're trying to go for here. So it's one place where it's happening. So similar to your point, I guess you know the ECW arena, what that would become, and I guess for WCW they had you know the soundstage at Disney yep. MGM. So this was WWS version, but yeah, I liked it. And when they moved away from this, I remember seeing not liking it as much mm-hmm. because I was kind of you know this is what Raw is supposed to be yeah. from what I've seen. So they will decide to kind of move, but initially I think it's great. I do have some memories of this arena and the kind of angles that took place in it, but we'll yeah. talk about those in the coming weeks. But as a kind of opener, you know, we're talking about 30-year anniversary of Monday Night Raw. One thing we're going to learn watching the show is that, you know, at this point, most matches were still squash matches, right? Yeah. You did get your kind of big matches here and there on Superstars Challenge and Saturday Night's main event, but in most cases, it was kind of development or job or talent, you know, well, if you're going to tell me Coco Beware is a job or talent here, Fash, I'm not going to take that very well. Right, okay, okay, I've got a question for you. But Name me a match that you recall that Coco Beware won against an established star. Can't remember, Fash. It's been some time <laughs> since I watched uh, <laughs> no, Coco no, Beware in action. Well, this, but, so, yeah, at this point, and look, he's going to get destroyed here because the key point to note here is we oh, that's a away yeah. from the Royal Rumble here. And this match is all about showcasing Yokozuna. Of course, yeah. And this, and this look is... at a big leg, big oh, leg wow. across Coco Beware. I mean, that's a 300-pound leg. Uh, something that Fash eats on a Saturday night. That is uh, something weekly. I eat on a Saturday night, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. I mean, again, just, uh, you know, the intention for this brand new show, Fash, it, 
we've just gone away from prime time wrestling, which you know has been running for several years. I think something like four hundred and seventeen shows they they created of prime time, and we've moved away from that studio setup into a small arena. Um, yeah. And much of the intention was a to look very different to what they would have been doing previously, yeah. and then secondly was to to reduce costs a lot by not traveling from arena to yeah. arena, having yeah. a set place that they could film and set up. Uh, which eventually Back, actually... so I'm going to have to stop you there because you know Yokozuna is about to do the bonsai splash on Kokobuera. The look at the no. crowd reaction here; everyone's yeah. getting up. He's on the because second. yeah, they're, they're asking him to go up to the yeah. top rope, yeah. and and now he's going bonsai boom on the chest of Coco, and he is history. I mean, this is one of the most impressive looking rumble. moves um, of the era because a guy of this size. Landing softly on anybody is is not a yeah, given. At this point, we didn't know he was landing no. softly. We believe that this is destroying chess here. Yeah. Um. So it's an interesting as uh, opener. It's a it's a squash match. And how many people know that in terms of trivia? That the opening match of Monday Night Raw yeah. was Yokozuna against Coco Beware. Unfortunately, Yoko's not with us anymore. Um. It'll be interesting if we see Coco on the the anniversary episode. Mm. Maybe not. Maybe. But yeah. it'll be quite a nice throwback. Like some, you know, if one of the bloodline. Maybe you know comes out and destroys yep. Coco. It'd be a nice throwback. Um, I think. Uh, I mean, you do have a thing for Coco getting destroyed. I'm not sure why. Well, you I just think so it'd be a flash. nice, it'd be a nice callback, yeah. wouldn't it? And now straight, we're getting a promo now. January 24th, 1983. It's going to be the Royal Rumble wax. So this is two weeks away from the Rumble, as I say. Um, and the hype is very much on. Um, yeah, for and this. for us, we're actually only one week away from the Royal Rumble, and uh, yep. hopefully, to tie in with that, we'll have a very special Royal Rumble watch along uh, for will. the 93 edition yep and we'll give our thoughts on what we witness next Saturday as well in the actual 2023 version of the Royal Rumble so here it is the quick hype video of course a lot of people this is on the USA network so they might not yep. be catching you know the other shows so it's important we go back to the announce table we see a raw girl which people forget everybody remembers the nitro girls but you had these raw girls in the initial shows as well wax which I know got you a little bit excited and um, when you were reminded of this um, but you know what's what's also interesting. You talk about the the setting, the arena. You know this has got no raw written anywhere on the mm. canvas. Even though you know there's nothing written, it's just like a blue ring, and there's not much happening here. It's not the yep. ring that I'm showing you here because this is a special show. I've got the wrestling with memory LED light show going on in the background. This is very plain. But I'll tell you who's not playing, Bobby the Brain Heaton who's shown up on my screen. And you know what he's talking about here, Wax? He's talking about the narcissus. He calls him the narcissist here. He's going to yeah, be the narcissist. Calls, um, and there's a mystery around this character. Yeah. And if you obviously know that word uh, and its impact on wrestling, you know who he's talking about. But um, the, the, he ran a couple of different promos prior to this. Yep. And he's very much talking about Mr. Perfect and him bringing him this brand new guy to, to challenge Perfect and put him away. Obviously, Who's beyond just... perfection. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> now, at this point, Max, would you have thought Ric Flair's still around, right? Now, we'll get to what happens to Ric Flair in the coming weeks, but were you thinking here, as a kid, take yourself back, that somebody's <laughs> coming in to be Ric Flair's partner? Because Bobby Heenan's obviously associated with Ric Flair. Mr. Mm -hmm. Perfect's the common enemy. They're bringing someone else in. Was that how your brain was working here? Because it feels as if, you know, he's kind of transitioning to this new person, but yep. he's still with Ric. You know, yep. take yourself back. Absolutely, and actually, I was thinking back when I first seen this promo, I was thinking back to... Obviously, what then happens in the WrestleMania to follow, there's a match between who Bobby's talking about and Mr. Perfect. And I was thinking like, that must have been, to me, it was cold back then. Like, I didn't understand yeah. it. 
And actually, it clicked when I watched this. We watched this recently. It sort of clicked to me why they got to that point. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, they must already have known at this stage that Ric Flair was maybe heading out the door. I don't know if you knew this early, if they were transitioning. I think or... they did. I think they, I mean, we're going to get to it. You know, Rick's going to be around for the next two Raws. Um, and the one in a couple of weeks is going to be the big one, which is his final appearance. So I think well, this Flash, point... just to interrupt you, why don't we say hello to probably one of our most favorite tag teams of all time, the Steiner Brothers. The Steiner Brothers are in the WWF now, Wax. They had made their debut post Survivor Series 1992, uh, one of the most decorated tag yep. teams. I must admit, at this point, I had only seen a couple of the old WCW Steiner Brother figures. I had seen them on some covers of WCW tapes. I don't think I'd watched a WCW pay-per-view yet back in January of 1993. So I was aware of them, but didn't know much. But I know straight away, I have a memory that when they debuted, um, I saw them first at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view yep. when they take on the Beverly Brothers. I hadn't seen their initial... Um, you know, outings, but I remember you being a fan straight away of Scott and Rick. Yeah, absolutely. I think they just had a tremendous look. I love the jackets that they used to come in uh, with. Just look at the moves as well. And the athleticism of uh, Scott. And it, Scott when I was, was up, you know, I never really realized how big Scott was even back here. Like, I know we think as a big pop up character, he was huge, yeah, but even yeah. this, he's huge. And he was doing these things that, you know, much smaller guys. And there's would Doink go on in the do. crowd as well. Doink the Clown, the best iteration. He's still causing havoc with the fans. <sighs> fans so, are loving it, actually. Um, and I like that here once again. It's that kind of live vibe. Yeah. Anything can kind of happen here. There's a match going on, but Doink has, he has been doing for several weeks now, kind of distracting people in the crowd around yeah. about. And, you know, he's going to have an angle coming up shortly with a with a superstar. But, you know, this is the Steiners against the Executioners. Oh, and you another... tell the, the jobber was not tell... ready for that. <laughs> yeah, that and you tell the, these from... Executioners, right. like, I think any wrestler ever called the Executioner yeah. uh, isn't going to do much. And that's a Steiner line from Rick Steiner there. Um, you know, this is another showcase. It's another jobbers versus... Rick Steiner, Abbas somebody who's, uh, I think, really underrated in the in the game. We, we talk about Scott a lot, I think, yeah. but Rick never really gets the same sort of mention because he never had that... Singles um, run was singles run, did he? Really, um, he came in first in mid south and then you know WCW part of the varsity club and then eventually teaming up with his his brother. But you're right, everyone talks about Scott. I think when they went their separate ways, you know, Rick and Scott, when they had that little feud that was disappointing in WCW, Rick came Bash, in we're gonna have to pause there for just a second. Pause An outsider's team. turned up. An outsider's wax wax campaign. I've sent some guys to bar Herman. As you say, Rick didn't really make it as a single star. And then Scott Steiner did. But I think, yeah. you know, you forget how great they were as a tag team sometimes, especially if, you know, you're a fan who transitioned into wrestling later on. But, you know, this is a showcase. They are new here. We've talked about the tag team division, Wax. Yep. You know, we talked about Survivor Series 1992, where it was looking a little bit disappointing now that LOD are gone. Yeah. Um, but now you've got teams like the Steiner brothers coming in that you know straight away, right, these guys are going to be players at some point and probably some point soon. Uh, it's a shame though that we didn't get the 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 Legion of Doom and the Steiners yeah. and the WWF at the same time. But there you go. I don't know if you've seen that bulldog from the top rope from Rick. Yep. St uh, Scott Steiner holding the jobber, and that's a that's a win and a pin um, for the Steiner brothers here. And yep. the crowd is going crazy. You can see that. They're such a babyface team. Like you know, I know that there was occasional runs where one or the other had. Uh, a heel run, but really, they're such a babyface team. And this team, was a good, so this was a good finisher, right? 
Yeah. With them, um, you know, we talk about the doomsday device, but this with kind of it's kind of the Scott, reverse of that, isn't yeah, it? But, yeah, yeah. Scott having the you know one person on his shoulders and then a bulldog from Rick Steiner. But I'll be honest with you, at this point, Max, I remember I was not a huge Steiner's fan. I mean, I love their movie things, but not to the level that I was LOD. But anyway, did next segment, were, Wax, yeah. talk about this. Let's talk about this segment. Well, here we've got Sean Mooney on the outside of the arena, and we've got a lady trying to barge her way into the arena. Um Shouting that lady that, looks familiar to me. Oh, I don't know, Fash. I've never seen her before in my life. So for those watching, and you should be watching along with us, it's all point. This is Bobby Heenan's <laughs> second attempt to come in. And basically, you know, he's wearing a wig. He's trying to be an old lady. And Sean Mooney <laughs> rips the wig off his head. That was a pretty impressive job from Bobby Heenan. He, it's a man of many talents. Very quickly. You can tell these are pre-taped segments, right, that are going to basically take place. Um, but, you know, hilarious Bobby Heenan is going to be the star of the show. And we see an advert for Razor Ramon's going to be interviewed. And here he is in the ring, Wax. Yep, and Razor Ramon oozing machismo as always. Earlier on in the show, it was announced that it would be Bret Hart and Razor Ramon in the Royal Rumble main event, um, or secondary to the main event in a world title match. Um, and really, again, they've just transitioned very coldly from Razor Ramon, Macho Man, to Razor yeah. Ramon and Bret Hart very, very quickly uh, off the back of Survivor Series. And I don't know whether that's got something to do with Macho Man deciding he didn't want to wrestle at this time, or whether... It was Vince's call with a new show coming up. He just wanted a completely different direction. This is going to be the whole kind of confusion around the matchman over the next yeah. few years. Now. Uh, it's disappointing. I mean, we hear, you know, people like Bruce Pritchard saying that match wanted to, you know, join the commentary team. But later on, we've heard that matchman very much didn't. He wanted to still wrestle and he's still going to wrestle. He's going to be at this Rumble event and he's going to be, you know, seen here and there um, in the coming weeks and months. But um, you're right. I mean, Survivor Series, you're thinking there's still something there left between Razor and the Macho Man. Uh, you know, we've got Flair perfect. But we did raise the question previously, Bret Hart, who's his opponent's going to be. But they have done that cool transition, I used to say, to, uh, to Razor and Bret. And I guess, you know, Bret takes the title from Rick, so you can kind of, you know, bring it all together. But yeah, you feel once again, Razor is getting the push of a lifetime here. Yeah, I mean, this is his second big angle uh, since joining, obviously. Yep. Immediately he was involved with Macho Man and Mr. Perfect. And straight off the back of that, he's now in the world title picture um, with Bret Hart. And again, the way they set this up was a little bit strange because they had Ric Flair come out initially and then they had yep. Razor Ramon come out uh, on an It's superstars, episode. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. superstars. And, just, you know, then... it was very much set like Ric Flair was talking about he's going to regain the title yep. back from Bret Hart. But... Um, then Mr. Perfect shows up in that angle as yep. well, doesn't he? I think to save because Brett I think you're from I think you're down. confusing the viewers here, Wax, and the listeners with with your stuff. But it's you all know, right. The the listeners are smart, fast. They are we smart. Can, uh, they are we smart. Can trust and, them. And there's Raymond Rougeau. They're showing WWF Mania, the show I mentioned earlier. Owen Hart was being interviewed, and Razor Ramon attacks Owen Hart, and this was to kind of make it more of a blood feud between yeah. Brett and Razor. But I think the the gist of this interview, Wax, is basically you know Vincent Mann saying, you know. Essentially implying that haven't you got this too quickly, Razor? Yeah. You know, Bret Hart it took him eight and a half years to become champion, and Razor's point as well. He, you know, he's got the title shot in in months, yeah. And you know, he's going to take that championship title. But going back to what we we're discussing, I at this point, as a kid, thought the direction that they might go in, and you know, for Royal Rumble or WrestleMania, and we'll talk about this topic in a little bit more detail because I think it could have been, it should have been a banger match. Should be, a yeah. Match we saw was Bret Hart taking on the match, man. Bret Hart that versus should, the Macho Man. That should have been the match. 
it shouldn't have been Razor. Because if you think about it, you know, we're talking about Macho's lost it to Flair, you know, then Brett's beat Flair. To really put Brett up there, you know, a match which would have been babyface versus babyface, Macho Man against Bret Hart, I think it would have just been excellent. And, you know, obviously Brett takes the, the match. And that still means the Macho Man's in that, you know, main yeah. picture. You could have done that. Now, I thought that would be, you know, at Royal Rumble or at WrestleMania. And at the Royal Rumble event, we're going to kind of see maybe potentially at one point in that match, you think that could be it. But yeah. what's your thoughts on that? Because it would have been a banger match, right? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. Proper main event. And if you're trying to put Bret Hart over, yeah. you know, it, it works. But, you know, they decide to go down this route and not doing much for the match when he's a participant in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Certainly, it's not one that I'd even considered. I thought maybe they would have eventually headlined WrestleMania with Bret against Ric Flair. If everything nobody's gonna pay for that, man. Come on, man! You got the two, two of the best wrestlers in the world. Well, given Rick and Bowmanson, I didn't think that, and we'll get to that. Why we know Rick wasn't there anyway. Um, Here comes a here comes a guy on screen that Flash absolutely hates, just like he hates all Native Americans. I don't know why. This is a ridiculous statement. um, I love Native Americans. I love people. But yeah, there's the Tatanka there. Do his little thing. (laughs) That's good. Not too bad. I would say it's pretty good. I mean, Tatanka obviously still. Fairly new to to the company, um, you know he had a big feud with Rick Martel. I say big, I should say long. Uh, here comes somebody. somebody you love this guy. Flash. This guy is somebody who you mentioned to me when I came to your house. It's case you say there's a new guy called Max Moon, and you're trying to be Max Moon, and you're trying to do forward rolls around yeah. your lobby. Here he is. Well, um, just look at his outfit. Look at the charisma that this guy is just oozing. Uh, this is very nineties, isn't it? But I mean, the story. This is Paul Diamond. It was supposed to be Conan. At one point, comic kid, um, he was supposed to be Max Moon. If you go online, you can see different iterations of this. But Conan didn't sign. They gave the the suit to Paul Diamond because it fit, and you know he's gonna turn into a jobber very quickly. Which you know after the initial promise and hype, but a guy that's gonna go from strength to strength is his opponent here, Wax, the Intercontinental Champion, yeah. man that main evented Survivor Series '92, Shawn Michaels, um, against Max Moon here. What iconic look Shawn Michaels has. Like I think he's cemented himself even now as a really top level player in the WWF. Uh despite not having necessarily the title. Well, you've got you've got you've you've got a top level player next to you as well. I think it's another guy that yeah. Another guy you've not paid. That's another pause on the show, Flash. That's fine. Look, see the guy's not happy, basically. You've not paid him back. (laughs) I've sent him over to sort you out. Um so I hope he really roughs you up. Um and we'll take a pause here because Wax is going to take a beating. And then right. so pause everyone and we'll be back in a few seconds. Well, we had a bit of a pause there, Wax. It wasn't Max Moon. I sent Max Mini to attack you, one of my <laughs> henchmen. And the Million Dollar Fan, I know he did a number on you, but we are back now. So where were we, Wax? I've got it at 22 minutes exactly. I'm going to give it a 3 2 1 countdown and then we'll kick off again, okay? And I promise I've not sent any more henchmen to attack you. So, <laughs> 3 2 1, go. And it's just the beginning of Shawn Michaels and Max Moon sizing each other up. Yeah, we we're talking about, um, you know, Shawn Michaels being a bona fide main eventer, really. I think, uh, even though he's the Intercontinental Champion here, I think we've already established the fact that he's going to be a mainstay in, in a WWF for the time being. Uh, and actually, this is a, a pretty good match. I do recall some of it um, from some time ago. Two reasonably good performers. I think they actually came up in the wrestling business together. Um, and they, you know, very early on, people were thinking Paul Diamond was going to be the one that would have the more successful career. 
but it never turned out that way. Obviously, Shawn Michaels was the, the real superstar out of the lot of them. But yeah, I mean, the outfit just a bit too jazzy, I think, to take off. Yeah, it's got more of a 1980s vibe and then uh, maybe a 1983 vibe. But I mean, we're going to still be in this kind of comic era. But I can see what they tried to do. Um, but yeah, it just feels a little bit of place. As you say, I can't say I, I'm fully versed on Paul Diamond. But yeah, it's the AWA, I think you're referring to. They kind of were there at the time. I think Paul Diamond was part of Bad Company. Um, and then am I right? He was also in the Orient Express. Mm. He he was the the masked man. Kato, Kato, he was. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, a worker looked decent. I mean, that's never superb. Got... What you just yeah, seen just there did, is like yeah, a wrist lock. Didn't... Yeah, off the, you didn't get off the, the chance. Yeah, didn't get the chance to really show more. And yeah, this is going to be a very short lived run as well, and then we won't see him again. Yeah, it's worth mentioning what's going on here with Shawn Michaels. He's just off the back of obviously Survivor Series, nice <clears throat> to do with that main event against Bret Hart. Uh, just prior to that, he had that run-in with Marty Jannetty, who returned after quite a long absence. Uh, we had that great scene where the the mirror sort of explodes into Sherry's eye. And what we're setting up for really is that feud to continue between Marty Jannetty and Shawn Michaels. Yeah, absolutely. If you go into our archives, we've got the initial barbershop incident. We also cover the angle of Marty Jannetty returning. Um, in one of our more recent episodes. But yeah, this is setting up Royal Rumble 1993 again. You're going to have the the first big match between the Rockers, uh, Marty Jannetty versus Shawn Michaels. And I remember at the time I was excited about this match and what it would potentially be like. Um, but yeah, I mean, so the straight away, even though this is more of a competitive match, they've been kind of giving Maximum a push. Yep. And, you know, this is going to be more back and forth. Um, if you knew your stuff at the time, you would know that Shawn Michaels is going to come out victorious here given he's only two weeks away from the rumble yeah i mean the the max moon character they did sort of uh really push the boat out early on with the they had this all this extra gear on him when he was coming out of the ring um you know it looked like cardboard boxes um, well, did that actually ever, spaceship. i'm trying to remember here was that the stuff that we didn't see though in the dark matches with Conan? yeah well you've seen it because it was there um it was shown in on TV, but not never live in this format. Um, right, okay. But oh, well, I can remember you know, that. Whole, that and you know, but as he comes out here, he's coming out very much in his own clothes. So already, they've probably assumed that this guy's not going to work. And here we've got Doink again. again. Arm in a sling for some reason. Yeah, that's going to lead here. to something. That's going to lead to something, as you know. But here's another veteran out there, Matt Bourne. Yeah. As you said, you know, he's really played this character so well. You know, people mock Doink the Clown. We made this point, but it was a great gimmick as a heel. And his facial expressions, how he changes them, are just yeah. excellent. But yeah, once again, another match where he's in the back, kind of distracting. A bit of a small package attempt there by Max Moon, but he can't get the job done. And Shawn Michaels then hits him with a punch to the face. And Doink's enjoying what's going on in the ring and also enjoying interacting with the crowd. Yeah. it's uh, You've got the Rob Bartlett obviously trying to make jokes in the background. Um, I think Vince probably loved it. Vince probably loved having him on commentary with him. Yeah, you know, that's the sure. character that, that Vince likes. Um, I can see Vince enjoying him maybe initially and then getting pretty bored of Zell because I just don't think, yeah, he obviously if he would have been great, he yeah. would have stuck around for longer, right? But I think it was humor was kind of the tone. He's got quite a high pitched voice. Yeah, uh, he's a commentator as well. You don't feel if he knows a lot about the product. Yeah, and he's got some and you match him in uh, what I noticed in these kind of initial episodes. If I remember, you know, I went on that kind of binge and we'll do it again now, given. You know the podcast, yeah. Is that at times Macho Man just kind of jumps in, 
and kind of veers the conversation where it needs yeah. to go, which was, you know, I thought Matt was such a pro as a commentator when you heard him. He yep. was always kind of, you know, he really tried. But yeah, Rob, as I say, is going to last till April, I think. And then Bobby the Brain Heenan is finally going to get his position in, mm. in the kind of three-man team. But in terms of this match, it's a decent match, I see another small package attempt by Max Moon. Um, and obviously up to now in this show, this is the first kind of competitive match yeah. that we're seeing after, you know, a couple of squashes, interview, um, little Royal Rumble promo. So in a sense, this is the kind of featured bout um, up to this point. And I'm sure part of the audience, you know, the number of people thinking there, Max Moon might have a chance. But yeah. what I would say about this match is, it's obviously not the quickest pace. And, you know, it's kind of some rest holds. A lot of rest holds. Yeah, and then, yeah. you know, so it's not really, I think Sean was still developing, you know, the kind of pace that he was going to work at. Um, it's quite similar to some of the stuff he was doing in that Survivor Series main event yeah. against Brett. So it is more kind of rest holds and kind of being a little bit more cerebral, like one of his friends would be years down the line. Um, But just kind of looking at this, situation here in terms of the reaction from the crowd the commentary maximum trying to get the crowd on his side at this point you know when you look at the picture would you expect nowadays i think you would expect some sort of appearance from marty Janetti coming out you know and facing sean michaels maybe standing outside watching yeah. the match or afterwards but we don't really get that it's yeah. more just type that's being generated you know through the the, the oh, and the slingshot attempt by Max Moon. Uh, yeah, I think Shawn Michaels is probably one of the best at taking that, that bump, kind of bump. Usually into and the. He's gonna go over, and this is a bit. Of, so here, Max Moon can jump over top rope, and then he's gonna do a whoopee cushion. <laughs> from this is impressive because a lot of these moves here are things that you see these days. You know, guys flying over the top ropes the way Shawn Michaels yeah. did, and then. That maneuver there by Max Moon. So two very athletic guys. But, and... what, dude, but I'm, I keep when I watch Max Moon, I keep thinking, <laughs> you know, what would it have been like if Conan was, you know, doing this? Can you imagine we could have got Conan against Shawn Michaels? Obviously, yeah, they would have in different directions. Kinda, yeah, but but then what I think is, you know, who would Max Moon rate? I mean, I'll tell you the first luchador that I saw that blew my mind, and I watched that match <laughs> so many times, I just couldn't believe somebody could be so quick. Was Rey Mysterio Jr. in 1996 against Dean Malenko. Right, yeah. The American Bash. I remember catching that on Nitro, mm -hmm. my friend's house, and I was blown away because I'd yeah. never seen anything like that. I'd not yeah. seen his stuff in yeah. New Mexico. Uh, I know he used to be a big Yushin Thunder Liger fan as we were growing up, but that was, can you imagine somebody like Rey Mysterio playing this sort of character? Yeah. In 1993, yeah. it would have been another level. Um. Whereas Max yeah, I just do probably the, stuff, but you yeah. know he's not super exciting. Yeah, some of it, but you know if he was, if he really would have caught the imagination, you know this character would have ran a bit more. Yeah, and Shawn Michaels there with the win using that sort of back suplex, which was his maneuver, which was his, his first finisher, yeah. but really nothing uh, compared to Sweet Chain Music, which he would develop a little bit later on. I just saw that back. I mean, talking about Max Moon, he actually initially, I believe, had a match on this Royal Rumble card. He was supposed to take on Terry Taylor, who yes. was back and I think he was terrific Terry Taylor again. <laughs> but they dropped that match and he's but he is part of the Royal Rumble match itself. But yeah, that's a kind of back and forth match, but you know, the right man wins. Shawn Michaels wins. Oh, here we go. Uh, uh, but yeah, there's a bit of an ad here. For the WWF Mania show, I think it is. Yep, this is yep. now this was what I watched because we didn't get raw in the UK and you used to give me tapes. Yeah, is recorded, or I'd get them from you know elsewhere, and that was kind of the show where I saw you know highlights of superstars and Raw. 
Um, and this was sort of a studio. Todd Pettingill yeah, presenting yeah. it in the studio and and come talking about Todd Pettingill we'll speak about more about yeah. I think you know Sean Mooney's going to leave over the next few weeks so he's going to be gone before Wrestlemania but he's you know featured prominently in the first I guess two three weeks at least of Monday Night Raw and there's a Royal Rumble report now Wax um, this is following up on what many consider as the greatest Royal Rumble we covered it in the archives as a watch along but it's the 93 version coming after that epic 1992 version yep. i think what we're going to learn you know as you start seeing the names we've discussed how many people have left the company since that last edition so there's going to be some big names here but then some other names which are a little bit more middle of the range well that's it 92 featured a lot of hall of famers a lot of people probably towards the end of their careers but still reasonably big names if you if you consider what the the card looks like in the early 90s and they're talking about the Shawn michaels Martin Genetti match here and Sherry and the Australian going in was Sherry was going to be there, but whose corner would she be in? And that was the big story after I say that um situation where she went through the the mirror. Yeah, I think adding to that storyline, I think basically is what happened is Sherry legitimately was taken to hospital because she had a shard of glass in her mm-hmm. eye. Yep. Uh, but as part of the storyline, uh, they were talking about how Marty Genetti had asked about her health and well being, uh, but one person who hadn't had uh, that conversation with Shawn Michaels who was obviously too busy um, you know living it up as the Intercontinental Champion to to care too much about Sherry Martel but Sherry would be back at the Royal Rumble we would see exactly um, how that would go yeah and obviously going back to the angle so you check out in the archives you know in that situation Marty Jannetty returns he's going to face off against Shawn Michaels there's that brilliant visual of you know Shawn Michaels sees Marty in the mirror yeah but then the whole angle is that Sean pulls Sherry in front of him and Marty strikes her with the, the glass mirror as opposed to Sean. And yeah, she's been in hospital since then. But yeah. that's one of the big storylines and matches going into the And event. it's something they picked up, picked off really well after a very long gap because obviously Marty Jannetty was out of the business. But the way they picked it back up was, was ideal. The one thing I'd say about Marty Jannetty is they never changed his gear or his style or his visuals. And I think if they had, he had potential to go on and become, a, you know, a bigger babyface than, you know, even he was. And I think every time he came into the business, he actually did really well. But his look just wasn't updated. And I think it really hampered the ability to push him as a babyface. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, if it wasn't for his demons, which we know about, that well, obviously yeah. got him fired more times than you can remember. But same point I was going to raise, so we're a little bit telepathic there, Wax, is the fact that every time in, he probably didn't push for it, WWE didn't, he yeah. was always... Marty Jannetty, the rocker, the same yeah. music. See, at this point, he had to have a different character. Yeah, It's like Shawn Michaels had evolved, and over time, Shawn Michaels is going to outgrow him, and he's still going to play this guy, be it in 93, 94, yeah. when he comes back in 95, and then there's new rockers in 96, and even when he goes over WCW for a cup of coffee, it's the yeah. same look. This is, you know, really a, a key point here that you've raised. He didn't evolve and they didn't do anything to help that either. Maybe he just didn't want to pay for a new outfit flash. He wanted to keep the tassels. Um, well, that obviously didn't work out in the long term. And you look, they're going through all the participants on the Royal Rumble. We've got big Yokozuna in there. We've shown people like Bob Backlund and now a promo is what I'm seeing between Yokozuna and Mr. Fuji, who still has the hair here, Wax. <laughs> yes, he does. In the coming weeks, he's going to go into that bald-headed <clears throat> look, but he's still kind of the new attire but similar look to how Mr. Fuji was before. Um, and of course, as I say, we believe that Yokozuna was a big sumo wrestler from Japan. Still very new here. Um, but obviously... He played yeah, it terrifically. I mean, none of us really did, uh, had any qualms about him not being from Japan. 
Uh, we were very much uh, had fallen uh, under. Yeah, and he was Macho Man shown in it. Yeah, Papa, Papa Shango, Shango, he's just not over anymore. Berserker. Yeah, I suppose he had gone missing after SummerSlam. Uh, like Carlos Colon. Colon. And we'll talk about what Gorilla Monsoon called him in our watch along yeah. in the Royal Rumble. Uh, that there's you know Tenru there. Um, they've talked about El Matador looking suave as usual. But, but you see, you know Tugboat. It's 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 not the same level overall as what we saw in the previous year. There's Samu, another newcomer, Fatu, his partner in the Head Shrinkers, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, so he's one of the kind of that you know nineties yeah. peak era. Somebody who's not people. actually been featured much in the last uh, few months, certainly since we've been watching. I think there was that brief period where he was with Sergeant Slaughter, but then afterwards he sort of went off the the radar again. I wonder whether yeah. that was enforced um, or not. But yeah, I think he's going to be odd in this. Yeah, this little period, and you know he's not going to last much longer. Um, we will see a little bit more from him in the coming um weeks. But yeah, he just feels like one of those guys from that era where maybe not. You know, he's going to feel out of place. Yeah, in the coming months, and really be putting others over. Um, but certainly a big name at the time. Uh, and obviously the first time here, Wax, we should raise this. The stipulation for this Royal Rumble yeah. was that the winner would get a championship match at WrestleMania. This was the first time they officially announced that. Um, and I look at the main event of Razor Ramon and, and Bret Hart for the WWE Championship. As I say, I felt it should have been the Matchman versus Bret Hart, or if not here, then at WrestleMania. That's how my brain was working then. Mm. Of course, in Bret's book, he talks about how it was supposed to be the Warrior, and he was going to make the Warriors submit to the sharpshooter. I really <laughs> yeah. don't believe that. Um, I don't think the Warrior was submitting to anything. No chance whatsoever. Um, but, you know, we've certainly seen that mentioned by Bret in the past. I can't see that. I know, look, we get back... Um, it's outside against Sean Mooney. It's a cold night. He's out there with yep. some fans. Um, and yep. now another a gentleman's going to try to get in again. Um, yeah, we've got a, the, the a Jewish-looking gentleman, seen. I think. Uh, maybe a rabbi beard. or something. Um, yeah, it's certainly a fake beard. It looks like it's, it's a Bobby like Heenan again, Fash. It's a bit like your beard. It's, and, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's playing a Jewish character again. here, uh, Bobby Heenan, trying to get back into the ring. Back into the arena. Well, uh, get into the arena, not back get in. Get into he's the arena. In, Sean Mooney is making sure that he's doing his uh, his duties and making sure. And look, the, the beard's gone all over the place. And now Bobby Heenan's pulled it down and he's been caught yet again. And he's pleading with Sean Mooney to let him in. It does feel like a cold night, doesn't it? Um, is it any wonder that Bobby Heenan left like the WWF? It like a Glasgow night to me. Just being disrespected this badly, not being allowed into the building. No wonder he uh, left the WWF. Yeah, uh, well, we'll get to that in due course. Too sure. long after. Another show, do you remember this show? All-American Wrestling, Max. I did uh, until this very moment where they just revealed it again and uh, yeah, it yeah. come back to this me. This is another one that used to you know, have some recordings of and pass on to me. Um, and tickets are still available if yep. you want to go in a time machine back 30 years for the, the Monday Night Raw event of January 18th and Monday, February 1st. So we'll add yeah. running there as well, Max. And one of the big sort of things, the selling points about you know this whole new Raw show was the fact that it was being broadcast from New York, from Manhattan, the you know center of the world for most uh, Americans. Um, I think that really added. Again, wax? Yep, don't worry. I spotted her fash. I'm sure you did too. Uh, Macho Man with a traditionally uh, very blingy outfit, looking That's good. A man with a famous tuxedo. Yeah, and it's red for Raw, and then. Rob Bartlett with the Monday Night Raw t-shirt. You see a can of Sprite there. Um, and now they're showing what happened this past week on Superstars with Kamala getting a bit of abuse now since you know, last we saw him, he was in a coffin wax. Um, yep. And then he was uh, eventually removed from the coffin by uh, 
Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi. And now what they're basically shown is that, you know, Kamala's not getting the pins right. He's confused. And now they've started to abuse him more and more, these two. Yeah, definitely. The crowd, the crowd is getting behind Kamala. They don't like this. It was uncomfortable to watch. It was genuinely uncomfortable to watch. It was actually... Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but then what you see is Slick, Reverend Slick, he is back and he comes out and he faces uh, Kim Chi and Harvey Whippleman gets in the middle of it and says, look, essentially stop behaving like this, stop treating Kamala like this. He's a baby face now. He's a reverend and this is going to lead to the angle of Slick taking <laughs> over as Kamala's manager and trying to, you know, I guess bring him into more of a kind of normal way of uh, acting. I'm looking for some words here, such words, but he's going to, you know, essentially try to take him away from his jungle type ways and make him more civilized in the coming weeks. Um, yeah. But you see Kamala now after, you know, Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi drop slick. He is now looking a bit angry and he chops Kim Chi right out <laughs> from the ring to the outside and Harvey Whippleman is chasing Escapes. him, but Harvey Whippleman is going to yeah. run away. And Kamala is going to run right after him. So once again, see at this point, and I think even up to I would probably say ninety five and ninety six, you saw a change. Superstars was still a big show for angles and matches, and actually I would argue a number of the big storylines and you know, angles will still take place on superstars, and both shows will alternate between you know what, what's happening. You need to really catch that. Yeah. Challenge it would definitely take some time for Raw to bed down a format that really yeah. wasn't probably. And I think even years, though it was night, but you know, you still yeah. saw a lot of stuff, and you are going to see a lot of stuff on Superstars. And here's our main event of the night: Damien Demento, um, who didn't last long either, and a man who, you know, he's, look at this, been here in the first Raw, and you know, has went through so many changes over his time. And I'm he's sure he will be the... in attendance on yeah, the 30 sure. year anniversary. I'm sure, but you know, from here the first show going through the pains of this new generation era, mm. then on the cusp of the Attitude Era, lived through the Attitude Era, ruthless aggression, and everything after that. The Undertaker, I think, in hindsight, very apropos that he's the one that's closing out this first show. Yeah. Who would have thought that you know he would remain the constant over the next 30 years? I know he's been retired, but even now, you know, the Undertaker generates a reaction. And as you say, because on that show, he's going to get a big, big pop. Um, but yes, yeah, uh, surreal to see, you know, at this point, he, he was, you know, he debuted in 91. A number of people have left going into 1993. He doesn't need a title. And, you know, he's just this character that always gets a reaction from the audience. Damien Demento, not so much. Definitely not. I thought this character was horrible. He's a horrible wrestler. He just, he was from the outer. Was he, was from the, he was from the outer, the outer of your mind, wax. Exactly. Um, and I hoped he'd stayed there, but no, he had to come forefront. Into the ring. Well, he's a little like bit of his... flurry from Damien at the beginning. Um, but no, it yeah, didn't last long. Taker's not going to... Backed off the mat. Yeah, absolutely. Paul Bearer. And one one thing we were talking perfect. about, um, in, in the coming weeks, is um, the last we saw, I say Undertaker vanquished Kamala. They're building to this big angle and match, Nails versus The Undertaker. Yep. Since we last spoke, Nails has been fired. I think we need to cover that. Uh, Definitely. But right now, Undertaker... You know, what happens next, Harvey Whippleman has said he wants revenge on The Undertaker and something will take place a few weeks in the Royal Rumble. But and I can't yeah. wait to talk about that because yeah, one of the much maligned things these days is when people look back at old wrestling angles and say, this was terrible, that was terrible. But in the time, in the moment when you're sitting there watching it, it feels real. It feels like 
amazing. And and I want to touch on that next time we get we, a chance. We, to, we sure will. But I would say so. Nails is gone, uh, and we'll talk about why he's gone in a future episode. But the Undertaker does need a new opponent now or a new kind of feud. We will see that. It's certainly not going to be Damien Demento. Um, he's not going to last long either. And it's just interesting when you look at some of the, this cast of characters, right? Coco Bewear's not long no. for the WWF now. Max Moon's not going to last long. Damien Demento's not going to last long. But then you've got other guys that are going to be more prominent. Yokozuna, of course, The Undertaker, the Steiner brothers. You know, we'll it's still a roster in flux. Before. I mean, we talked about it. This yeah, whole it's 12 months, 18 period. months has been yeah. transitioning. Yeah. People going out and people coming in. And that will continue for, for some time. <clears throat> until we sort of settle into a, a uh, routine. And, and, and our tombstone's coming, Wax. This is yeah. not going to last long. Um, The classic move, the move that always gets a pop, boom, put the hands together, and it's going to be a one, a two, and a three in the classic Undertaker. And we forget, this is only probably, it's less than 18 months into Undertaker's run, start with the WWF, um, and he's sort of main eventing yeah, and he's, like, he's more than established because the way yeah. they brought him in, you know, we talked about the super push rate. We're talking about he's nothing like the Undertaker, how he was pushed from day one. So he just feels like he's been around for years. Yeah, and certainly and, when you look at him, he feels yeah. like he's been around for years. Um, but but you know that's our main event of the first Monday Night Raw. Um, and interesting, and now, we've, so I was just going to mention a couple of people that we didn't really see again. I think you need to pipe down here, Wax, because Doink... Well, none of this audio is coming through for our audience flash, so I think uh, it doesn't really matter what Doink but, says. But, but, but what do you think he's talking about here? I'll, I'll tell you if you don't know. You tell us. He's talking about people not having a sense of humour flash. <laughs> I think you've got no sense of humour, but yeah, I think Vincent Mann is, uh, you know, talking yeah, about... This was one of the big you know, angles Crush of comes the, the first half of the year, wasn't out. it? And Crush, yeah, Crush has not been happy with Doink's kind of behavior around the fans initially people just thought he was a clown now he's got more mic time um and a crush is going to come out and face him and essentially say brah don't do any of this stuff or you're going to be in trouble it's interesting once again to you know we went very quickly from that last match to this angle and i suspect you didn't recall and i didn't recall that this was closing out the show definitely not but it just goes to show again the prep push crush aren't they quite Heavily as well as a as a big timer. It's, it's a bit uh, of an odd one, isn't it? Because Crush came in ninety two, initially a big big push, and then you know he's not there for a few events. Now you've got this thing with Doink. He's chasing around Doink the, around the ring now, um, and you're not sure what they're going to do with Crush. But as you say, it feels like he's going to get a big push. Um, but you know this is going to kind of be his big, um, I guess last babyface hurrah here, um, for, think, uh, for a number of years until he turns heel. But um. Yeah, so basically, you know, he's running Doink's feigning fear. I think and Doink gets the better of this exchange. Yeah, but, oh, but I think, Wax, I think you were, you thought this was the big angle here, but it's not the angle's going to take no, place. No, 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 I knew it wasn't the big angle. I was saying to say that, <clears throat> that, well, we're ending the show here with yeah, we're ending the, the show start here, of the show, which is uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan. Well, Heenan finally it's... gets in to the Manhattan Center, yep. but the show's actually came to an end, and that closes... That closes the first Monday Night Raw. As I say, I did not recall um, the fact that it ended with Crush and Doink. There's um, a long-term story making uh, there uh, with those two. Uh, and actually, and it's going to be a few that last weeks ago. for a while. Yeah. Um, and we're going to see a lot coming from those two. But look, we've had a couple of, uh, I guess, interferences in our 
shows well today, Wax. I say I sent Max Mini to do do you over, and I can tell since that you're not talking very clearly, so that the, it worked. But um, <laughs> what did you think of the first Monday Night Raw? Watching it back, any kind of key thoughts that you have before we we close up? Well, I think the first thing you've got to compare it to what just came before, which was prime time wrestling, and what else is on superstars. I like the look. I really did enjoy the fact that it looks so different to a regular wrestling show that we had come to to get used to at that point. Um, I enjoyed the sort of small scale audience with the intimate nature of it all. Um, and I just generally thought it was it was quite a happening show. I mean, obviously there wasn't a lot to talk about in terms of in-ring performances or big debuts and stuff. And there was missing a couple of key characters like Ric Flair, Bret Hart never really made an appearance mm-hmm. on the show at, and you really would have expected that for like a big launch of a new show. I just thought it gave a really cool vibe, you know, um, different to to what we'd seen in the past. Absolutely, I'd agree with you. It was about the look, um, the freshness of it. Yes, some of the big names missing. Um, at the time, we didn't know how big this would be, obviously. I think people probably would have still thought Superstars is the main show, but this was different. Monday Night in the US is a big deal. Um, so for debut show, it was interesting. Um, when you compare it to today's time, Obviously, it's a little bit more uneventful, given you had mostly squash matches. Mm. But um, for me, the MVP of the night was Bobby Heenan, doing what he does best, excellent comedy throughout. So that was interesting and different, given they were doing the back outside shots and what's happening in the ring. And obviously, they're really hyping up the Royal Rumble in two weeks. Um, I think we're going to see a, the first classic match of Monday Night Raw in a couple of weeks' time, and we'll cover that. But for our opening show, it's great to kind of go back and see it, especially, as I say, we are on Sunday... Tomorrow night, we're going to see the 30th anniversary show. So, you know, watching this, really geared up for that one. Really enjoyed going through um, this episode. Um, and I hope the, the listeners and viewers have as well. Yeah, you can't underplay the importance of this first show in terms of just getting Monday nights kicking off to to what we know. Kicking off in the 95, you get the Monday Night Awards yep, as well. Absolutely. Wax, do you remember what the first caption for Monday Night Raw was? And no, you I don't, don't fast. You have to well, remind me. Well, I'm not going to remind you. You tell us in the next episode or okay. in the comment section, please. Who remembers what the first kind of slogan for Monday Night Raw was that lasted for a reasonable amount of time? We'll leave that to the viewers uh, and the listeners. Then wax, giving you failed yet again. I mean, how many <laughs> times are you going to job to my questions? Feels like it's just a constant. But um, fash, yeah, as you know, this is well. not a general knowledge quiz. Fash, this is a wrestling show. This it's is, all about entertainment. This is wrestling where the memories. You got to bring some fire. The memories here, fart. The you memories bring the fire. fire. You can't be the sitting memories, back in your chair. The memories back, fart. You know, the memories fart. It's pretty key, wax. I think too much dinner. To, I think that's like I say, fast. Max Many knocked you into next week. He did do next that. Next time, I've got the come prepared to prove it as well. Yeah, come prepared, um, and next time we'll do this again. We have some lots of you know we've got lots of interesting stuff to cover in the coming weeks. Enjoy the Monday Night Raw anniversary tomorrow, everyone. Hopefully, it's a good show. Of course, the shadow of Vince McMahon is <laughs> looming on us all again. And what appropriate time he wasn't going to miss being around the company when it came to the big thirty-year anniversary. Um, and rightly, and, rightly and, he shouldn't. Well, yeah, and like I say, very interesting time yeah. in professional wrestling. We have the Royal Rumble coming next Saturday. We will do our 1993 Royal Rumble watch along, but we have some other interesting stuff coming up as well from this period. Until next time, he's been Wax. I'm Fash, and this is Wrestling with Memories. Wax's bad memories. <laughs>